Okay, under this uh, regular time now, we're back on regular time. We ain't on that high test time, are we? <laughs> back on regular. If you're able, please stand. Turn to hymn number 548. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Psalm 42, 1. Sing the first and last verse. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. standing turn to hymn number 386 the comforter has come we all know about that in acts when god's sent the comforter and uh, that was quite a time the father shall give you another comforter john 14:16 as we're seeing the first and last verse Oh, spread the tidings round Wherever man is found Wherever human hearts And human woes abound Let every Christian tongue Proclaim the joyful sound The Oh, man. 
important part of the service, seriously, our pastor, Joe Bryant, preaching of God's word. Well, I'm going to make up and give you all that extra hour tonight. No, just kidding. <laughs> I still got that extra six hours or something, wasn't it, wasn't it Doug, I remember, a few weeks ago, that's right. <laughs> we'll keep, we'll keep tabs, we'll keep a tab going. But anyways, uh, let's uh, go ahead tonight. Um, I want to open up in prayer. And I uh, want to thank you guys for uh, today. It's, it's always such a good day to, to be in the Lord's house and to sing in this, uh, the morning and hear the preaching and come back tonight. And now we're coming back and it's, it's dark, so I know it's going to keep a few people away. But when the summertime rolls around again, that'll keep more people away because the weather's too good or the weather's too dark, the weather's too bright. It's too much rain. There's too much perfect weather. I don't know. But I, I'm thankful that you guys are here with us tonight and I'm grateful that we can we can gather and worship the Lord and thankful for uh, what he's done today and what he's going to continue to do in our lives. I want to encourage you and remind you as well, before you go tonight, challenge you to go over to those calendars in the back and sign up to be a part of our uh, 52 days of prayer. And you can do a, a morning or evening shift, whichever one you like. And all it is, it's just committing and saying, hey, I'm willing to, to pray and I'm signing up, put my name there, stamp it down. I'm praying this time for our church and um, you even if you don't sign up on it, I encourage you to still pray, but also do encourage you to sign up for it. But it's just something that we can look back on and, and just to see um, how the Lord took a wide group of people from different walks of life, even different thoughts and different ways of that they even live life day to day, and that they decided, I'm going to commit even just 15 minutes to this whole thing and, and pray earnestly. I believe God will bless you and bless the church for it. Um, if anything, it won't hurt you <laughs> and it won't hurt us. Uh, but we can always use the other prayer. But um, let's pray tonight, and let's as, as well remember the royal family. Uh, spent some time this afternoon with them. Uh, they're going to be taking Christina off life support this evening, and uh, the family's very, very much struggling. They had just planned to bury their father, well, to, to have a service for him this past Saturday. Several of the family members got COVID, and then now um, Christina is uh, in the process of passing. And so uh, definitely pray for them. And uh, they're, they're definitely struggling. They've had a lot to grieve over the past few weeks and still have a long ways to go. Uh, but uh, thankful the Lord's been uh, good and able to allow me to get some good conversations and prayer uh, with them. And so the Lord has used it. Uh, but uh, let's pray tonight. Ask God to help us as we uh, open up his word. And I uh, will study a few things tonight. And hopefully we get a few things to, to chew on as we start off our week. Uh, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. Grateful for uh, another day of life that we could... Come to church, Lord, to your house, Lord, to, to experience your presence and experience your word day and to, to lift up our voices in song to you. And Lord, we're grateful that uh, we can sing about these mighty truths found in these songs and, and found in these uh, the scripture, Lord. And Lord, that as we open up your word, that tonight you would open up our hearts to it. 
God, I do pray for each person that's here tonight, and Lord, that you would bless them and encourage them for their faithfulness at coming out. And God, that you would um, just give them some truth tonight that they can use in their life and apply to their hearts and apply to their lives. And God, I pray that as uh, we prepare to end this week and begin the next, God, that you would use us and prepare us for the things to come, that we would be more faithful. And Lord, especially as we're about to embark on this prayer initiative, God, that you would bless the church and prepare us for what it's going to look like to pray. And Lord, that as we're going through these days, that we would not wane in the excitement, that rather, Lord, we would uh, get um, more on fire and, and more hot for you and for, for prayer. And Lord, for seeking your face and, and for seeking your word. And, and, and uh, God, just to know you. And Lord, that you would lay out a clear vision, a path for us to go. And Lord, that we would be burdened for the loss, that we'd be burdened for one another. And Lord, that you would bless uh, our church, your church, Lord, in this process. God, we lift up this night, lift up the royal family to you, and as well as many others who are suffering and going through uh, hardships and loss. Uh, But God, we thank you for being good and gracious and faithful to us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to continue tonight, uh, after a few weeks kind of off and off kilter here. Uh, back in our Words of Wisdom series, but uh, tonight we're actually going to start, instead of over in Psalms, we're going to be over in Proverbs chapter 1 tonight. Proverbs chapter 1. Uh, tonight we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6 uh, over here in Proverbs chapter number 1. Uh, the uh, first six verses that we're going to look at tonight, which are going to be dealing with sort of the, the purpose statement or the, the whole meaning of the whole rest of the book of Proverbs. I want you to know and go ahead and couple, get a couple things down pat here. Proverbs are not fortune cookies, okay? All right, those are fortune cookie little sayings, okay, that got little bingo numbers on the back or whatever, tell you what to play in the lotto. Just eat the Chinese food, eat the cookie, throw away the fortune in the fortune cookie, and you'll be fine. When we come to Proverbs, this is something that God has given to us, but I want us to address here, and we're going to deal with it in verse number one, what a proverb actually is, its importance, its usage, and as well of the truths that are found in here are going to be very generalized truths. Now, what we're going to see, just to give you an example, is we know the proverb that if you train up a child in the way that he should go, shall not depart. But let's understand the proverbs as a whole. Are there children who have been grown up in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church with Bible-believing, Bible-preaching parents and then still don't turn out saved and live a, a rebellious life? Absolutely. I've seen it time and time and time again. So does that mean that the Proverbs aren't true? No, Proverbs are still true. But what this means is that these are a generalized statement. This is not a a, a coverall blanket that says, this will certainly happen because I've seen more kids grow up in church to leave the church, never to return, than I have kids who have never been in church, be brought to church and come to know Christ and stay in it. And that's unfortunately the sad statistics that we see today And that's the reality of things, and that's just an example. But what the Proverbs do is they serve as a point to give us one big lump in the whole book of Proverbs, and that is ultimately wisdom books. This is a part of the wisdom literature of Scripture. It is to make us wise. Now, wisdom is not just to have a a big brain full of all sorts of little cute sayings and knowledge about God, but rather wisdom is applying the things that we know about God, that we believe in about God, that we live for God, that it is taking our life and molding us and making us more Christ-like so that we would edify and glorify Him throughout our life. These Proverbs and these wisdom books, like the Psalms and Proverbs, they're meant to drive us back to the heart of who God is so that we would have a hunger and a thirst 
to know him more. And the more that we know God, the wiser we are, the wiser we are, the, the better we live. And so while we might be poor materially, if we know God and have a hunger for God and we grow in wisdom, then we are more rich than we could possibly ever imagine. So I want to read here verses 1 through 6, and we'll kind of jump into it. This is the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the uh, interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Now, first of all, verse number one gives us sort of the title. The Proverbs. It gives us the whole title of the book and starts right there. Boom. The Proverbs, it says, of Solomon, the son of David, uh, king of Israel. We know Solomon, of course, here is the son of David, the kingly lineage. There is an immense amount of wisdom uh, that happens here uh, from both men. But it gets passed on, not because you can inherit wisdom, but rather uh, that both knew the Lord and walked with the Lord and had a relationship with the Lord. And these Proverbs are going to be given, and we're going to see a little bit here in just a moment. I'll read for you a couple of scriptures here. But the phrase, the Proverbs here, the meaning of Proverbs, it means to become like or be comparable with. Now, as we read the book of Proverbs, which there's 31 of them, and if you wanted to, you could take a month that has 31 days and read a proverb, a chapter of Proverbs a day. And I encourage you to do it. That's a lot of reading plans and things that some people do. It kind of gives you some different things to chew on and meditate on, some little truths, some little nuggets. And you could do that really every month. You could kind of cram them in even to the months that got 29 and 30, right? Yeah, okay, there we go. I don't know how many months are in there. I know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and the rest of that stuff, I don't have a clue. But uh, we, we look here, these Proverbs are going to be used for our wisdom, for edification, to, to draw us back to knowing God. Uh, here, these are generalized statements to be pondered, to be meditated on that contain truth, pointing to a practical spiritual walk. To be honest with you, you could take the Proverbs, and even especially as it goes through each individual little proverb that says, you know, something is like this, which produces this, and that's a whole sermon in and of itself. A sermon is to bring truth, exposit the Scripture, tell us about God, tell us about our condition, sort of thing, and then to give us the, the application. I always tell people, if we were to boil down preaching, it is to be our context, our content, and our, our connection. To, to each other. How does that apply now to me? How do I put that truth into practice? The Proverbs are basically walking little sermons. They are one little nugget of truth to give to us so that we would ponder on them, think about them, uh, to meditate on them. I've often thought, honestly, about doing something different to, where, uh, to try to write a, a sort of devotional for our church people where we would have something geared to where we would ponder and dwell and have little devotions on what we've been preaching through and what we're going through so that we are constantly going through about who God is and what's going on and why God is working the way he is and, and how this affects me, how this should change me. And we often do one of two things. One, we want only the practical where just tell me what I need to do, right? Give me steps one, two, and three, and, and that's what I'll do. I won't worry about anything else. Or we get so full of just knowledge that we forget the practical part. We get, take it, we get all the knowledge without any actual wisdom of applying it. We can have a whole bunch of knowledge, we can have a whole bunch of doing, and still miss out on wisdom, actually knowing 
obeying and applying the Scriptures. One commentator writes about Proverbs that they are wonderfully successful at being what they are. Proverbs. They are not failed prophecies or systematic theologies. Proverbs by design lays out pointed observations meant to be memorized and pondered, not always intended to be applied across the board to every situation without qualification. So we have to understand each proverb as we come to it, uh, it, its interpretation, the understanding of it, the application of it. It, it. We have to really, as we read the proverbs in Psalms and really all of Scripture, it forces us to dig a little deeper. What we often do with our daily reading, if you have like a daily reading plan and things like that, is we just fly through our reading and we go, well, whew, got that done. All six chapters in 25 minutes. That was great. What a great time in the Lord. And we never really got anything from it. We'll spend the whole rest of the day and you could be asked, hey, what, what part of your Bible did you read today? You go, well, I could tell you I read through uh, 2 Kings today. It was oh, just four chapters of 2 Kings. Really, really edifying. Okay, what was taking place in there? Uh, well, you know, the kings, the king stuff. It was really, and, and that's it. That's all you got. We're not meant to just read the scriptures and not get anything out of it. We're meant to, much like the psalmist and much like the men of old, to read the scripture and to chew, to, to meditate. Y'all ever watched a cow eat? A couple of you, all right? If rest of you out back, they've got cows. Tomorrow when it's daylight, y'all go out here, y'all watch them cows eat. When a cow eats, it doesn't use a fork and a knife, doesn't use a napkin, right? It goes right where it's at, it comes up. It puts some, some uh, food in its mouth, and what does it do? It chews, it chews and chews. Right? It, it take, takes a while, right? It's, it's, like, it's like a little kid with bubble gum, you know? It's just, it just smacking away, and it's going to keep on going until it's got to throw it out. That's it, or swallow it, right? Get rid of it. But, but the cows, they chew, and they chew, and they chew on this stuff. The, the scriptures, and specifically the Proverbs, are meant for that sort of thing. It's meant for us to take this truth and to chew on that, to meditate on it throughout our day. I believe it's especially applicable to those of us who go on about your day and come 2 o'clock, you've gone through your lunch break, your boss has gotten on your nerves, or your project that you're trying to do isn't going right, and now you're just trying to make it through the next few hours of your work day. What do you need there? You need something to chew on, don't you? That's why a lot go back to coffee or they grab a soda to kind of get them through the rest of the time. What we need, though, spiritually is the same sort of thing, but instead of a, a Coke or a, a cup of coffee, we need the Proverbs, we need Psalms, we need these wisdom literature books to, to chew on, to get us through these little problems and these little bumps in life. The whole point of the Proverbs is to give us an object lesson or comparison to teach us wise living, these words of wisdom, words to live by. Now, when we look at Solomon, Solomon was able to write these not because he was naturally the most intelligent person in the world, but rather because there was a time when Solomon could have asked the Lord for anything, and what did he do? He asked for wisdom. I believe we need some more of that, certainly, don't we? Wisdom doesn't just come, mind you, by, by age, but rather it comes through knowing God and obeying God. Now, 1 Kings chapter 4 tells us this about Solomon. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. And he spoke of trees from the cedar tree of Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, of birds, of creeping things, and of fish, and, of, uh, and men of all nations from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. There were those who during this day would travel literally 
hundreds of miles walking or caravans to come and try to learn and glean some knowledge from, from Solomon. And you and I, you know what we get to do? Open up the Bible to read. And we often so neglect it, but I believe that the Lord richly blessed him because he was willing to ask God for something that others could have asked for but didn't ask for. Ask for wisdom. You and I ask God for an awful lot of things, but oftentimes we don't ask for wisdom. We, we might ask for wisdom, Lord, help me make the right decision, but we don't ask God for wisdom for our whole being, our whole life. Solomon knew that he needed it if he was going to continue this godly lineage and legacy. And of course, we do know about his life that he would certainly have plenty of uh, faults and, and failures throughout it, as you and I do as well. But we should be seeking wisdom. No one in here today would say, I want to live the most idiotic way possible to barely skate by by the, the skin of my teeth and then just to make it out alive. That's it, right? It doesn't work that way, right? We, we need wisdom. We would all say we want to be wise. We want to grow old and wise, old and better, not old and bitter and, and not have that wisdom. We want to earn it. We want to know about God. We want to know about life. Now we come to verse 2. And we're going to get several things here that you can see and kind of underline a little bit. I mean, to know, to perceive, to receive, to give, and a wise men are going to be kind of our, our base of everything. First of all, to know. To know. To know means not only to have an intellectual understanding of truth, but then to obey and observe and experience it. We talked a little bit about it in Sunday school this morning. It is to accept something. It is that we know something to be true, but we put it into our life in practice. If there's ever been a, a, a practical book to live by, it's the book of Proverbs. He's going to give us a truth, give us a comparison, give us a sort of picture in our mind, and then say... You go live it. If you claim to be a wise man or want to be a wise man, you will not only hear the words, but do these words. You will allow God to direct your paths. You will follow the Lord in all things. You will trust him in all things. You will hold fast to his word. Uh, you will use logic in the brain that he gave you to, to come back to trusting God in all things. To know. He says, though, to know two things. First of all, to know wisdom. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom signifies skillful living, the ability to make wise choices, and live successfully according to the moral standards of the covenantal community. The one who lives skillfully produces things of lasting value to God and to the community. Now, when you and I are, are a little bit younger, we tend to not think about needing wisdom, do we? As a matter of fact, nor do we think about, as this commentator talked about, uh, skillful living or being able to make wise choices or to live according to moral standards, right? We would certainly say that we don't live in a wise world. We have a world that's full of the ability to learn knowledge, right? We've got Google on all of our smartphones. You can go right now to Google and type in anything, and you can get an answer whether it's right or wrong, and it's there. The thousands upon thousands of pages giving you all these tidbits of information. You can find out the weather at a click of the button, and even find out what the weather's supposed to be like for the next two weeks. Anywhere in the world, mind you. We've got so much knowledge at our hands, but yet we have no real wisdom. We believe the issue at hand is because we don't want wisdom because wisdom would make us change our life. Wisdom, though, we like the idea of doing what's right, doing what is good, but it causes us to, to uh, have to trust the Lord. It causes us to have to change our life and to not just know what we should do, but then to do what we should do. Proverbs here, as this commentary dealt with, is that of skillfully producing things of lasting value to God. 
Now, what I think about is you might be, uh, someone in here tonight, for all I know, might be the owner of a, of a candy factory. Now, that sounds nice. You might be making a good living owning your candy factory. And, and the only thing you might produce in that candy factory is, is gobstoppers. Not even the everlasting gobstopper, just the regular old gobstopper. And what's going to happen is you're going to sell these by the, by the pounds and loads and loads and loads of these gobstoppers, you'll sell them all and you'll make your living. What will you have to last? Well, ultimately, all of your product is going to get popped into a mouth or chewed up and spit out or dissolve away, isn't it? Well, but you've had your living, and there's that. Now, Wonka had it right. Let's make the everlasting, something that lasts, something that's worthwhile, right? You have the whole factory and the Oompa Loompas and everything, right? It's something that was worth a while. What we often neglect is this. The difference between living with knowledge and living wisely is an eternal focus. It's long-lasting. It's not the, the double bubble bubble gum, right? Double bubble bubble gum, you say that three times fast, that you know what that, that does. You pop it in your mouth, and it's always the best-tasting chewing gum for the first six, seven seconds, and then it's gone. Then you're just stuck chewing on a, a, on a pink rubber tire until you get tired of it, your jaws get tired, you spit it out, whatever. It doesn't last, does it? Now, we love that flavor for those six to seven seconds, and then it's gone, and we go, well, I have to have another piece or something because it's just all the flavor soaked out. That's knowledge. Wisdom is teaching the man how to fish, right? It's not just giving him a fish. It's telling him and showing him the stocked pond that only he can fish. And that's, that's a book of Proverbs for us. It's the difference of going not just having some flavor for a minute, but it's being able to go back and continuously draw out the wise words, and to be able to produce something for eternity's sake. Right now counts for eternity. And I think we forget that because we are so temporary-minded. We think about right now. Now, we make plans for even days, weeks, and months in advance, but what you do today, the things in which you go about your life today, your disciplines today, your heart today, it does matter for eternity. Now, does that mean that because you sin today that you're going to lose your salvation and lose eternity? No, rather, what it means is this, is that we should be eternally minded in all that we do because everything that we do should count for eternity. How many Christians would say, oh, I just want my life to, to count for nothing. I want to make as little impact as possible. We wouldn't say that. We want impact. We want to make a difference. We want our lives to matter. Now, granted, we might not want to ruffle feathers or, or cause issues, but those things are going to happen if we live lives that are worthy and for eternal things. That's what wisdom does. Now, Warren Wearsby writes about this, this verse. He says, we're living in the information age, but we certainly aren't living in the age of wisdom. Many people who are wizards with their computers seem to be amateurs when it comes to making a success out of their lives. And once again, we have a generation, and my generation included, that has had more ability to have knowledge than ever before, literally at the type of a keyboard, but yet has no wisdom because they don't know how to apply it. The difference between those who are maybe grandparents or great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents who mostly went to school to about, what, fifth, sixth grade? For the most part, many of them did. And then what, what they do, they went to work. But yet sitting down in a rocking chair next to them and you'd listen and talk to them, and they would be wise beyond anything we'd ever heard. Because they knew about life. They had learned from ups and downs and hard times. They knew what it was like to suffer. They knew what it was like to have things and to, have, and to not have things. They knew what it was like to work hard. 
They knew what it was like to figure things out. The issue with us having in this age of information is that we don't figure things out on our own anymore. No one can go to a phone book anymore. My generation, if you, if we were to, if you were to ask me right now to go to a phone book, I, I could probably do it. But maybe the next one probably won't. If you were to ask uh, for a, a dictionary definition or a synonym, we could not go and find out of a book how to do it without using Google. You see, we can tie everything in, but yet still don't know how to find out or work out problems or solutions. We're not problem solvers anymore. Wisdom is going to have a problem and to figure it out. Not to just get out of the problem, rather to work through that problem, to find the solution, to find the answer, and to do so wisely, skillfully, tactfully. We look here, then he says, not only to know wisdom, but he says to know instruction. This is the companion to wisdom. Instruction here is the, the word, the idea for to have discipline, to discipline oneself, to live out the wisdom that has been acquired. Now, you can be in church for 38 years, have known the Lord all that time, and still be just absolutely unwise in your living. If you've never applied anything, you've heard everything there is to know, you've sat in all the Bible studies, you've sat in all the classes, you've sat in all the conferences and all the revivals, and still you might not have any wisdom whatsoever because you don't apply it to your life. You, you go, I, I have no assurance. I've been saved for 30 or 40 years. I've got no assurance of salvation. I just have no hope. I've got no joy. I've got no peace. I've got no anything. I'm just barely hanging on. You know what that is? It's having a lack of instruction. It's not that they have not been instructed, but rather they have not had the discipline on their own self to discipline themselves to live in such a way. It's hard to do it. Discipline itself, just the word itself sounds difficult. To, to discipline oneself is even more difficult. It's one thing for a parent to discipline a child, but it's one thing for ourselves to discipline ourselves. To discipline ourselves to, to know God, to study His Word, to pray. That's why for this initiative, this prayer initiative that we're going to do for the 52 days, I, I, it is a challenge. It's a tough one. It's a, it's a difficult undertaking to go, all right, 15 minutes. That's not like a whole lot, right? Quarter of an hour. And then you get like three minutes into it and you're going, oh man, I'm all, I'm all prayed out. I haven't prayed this long before. And so what do you do? It takes the discipline to do it, doesn't it? It takes discipline to, to wake up and to go, to go exercise or to go in, to your kitchen table with a cup of coffee and to read your Bible and to pray. Or it takes discipline to sit in the evenings at the dinner table and have a devotions or prayer or uh, to talk about things you're thankful for or uh, to turn off the news or uh, to, to go witnessing or all these things that we know are good things. But to do it, discipline it's hard work it begins with knowledge and understanding of this is right this is wrong this is what i should do and then the next step is to go now i've got to do it and that's where the rubber meets the road that's the stuff that everybody wants but the hard thing is to do what is actually right is really really hard to do real wisdom is demonstrated and demonstrates itself in a disciplined life real wisdom is a disciplined life. It doesn't mean you're a hermit. It doesn't mean you have to be Amish. What it means, though, is that you live a life disciplined before God, that you know who He is, you desire to know who He is, you take the time and the effort and the energy that it takes to, to know His Word, to spend time in prayer. A prayer does not and will not come naturally and easy to you. The first time that you sign up for that 52 days and you go, 
Okay, this is my morning for 15 minutes. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It might not even be fun. But boy, is it necessary. And boy, is it good. Because it will discipline you to see that, wow, there's much more to pray about than what I thought. Or as I've begun praying, that the Lord begins impressing things upon my heart. And now, here I am. I'm 16 minutes into this thing and could keep going. And, and how enjoyable that prayer can be, but it, yet it can be still so difficult to do because it takes the discipline to, to stay focused and to stay committed and to do it again and again and again. No one becomes Miss America or Mr. Universe by not being disciplined, right? They have to go through it over and over and over and over and over again. Think about Arnold back in his heyday of bodybuilding and going through all that stuff. What do you have to do? Eat all the raw eggs and protein shakes and lift all the weights all the time. It takes time, effort, energy, discipline to do it. No one wants to get up early in the morning and chug a dozen eggs and then go work out. But if you want to be Mr. Universe, work out. You've got to discipline your body and your mind to do so. And he says the next to perceive. He says to perceive the words of understanding. The words of understanding here, the phrase, it is to Discern what is good and evil, profitable and worthless, helpful and harmful. It's the idea of to have discernment. Perhaps one of the gravest issues of our day in Christianity is that very few believers have discernment anymore. I would say the reason why most believers don't have personal discernment when it comes to the Bible, the false Bible teachers in the world, or how they should live their lives, is because they have not first gained the knowledge and the wisdom of God or disciplined themselves to have such discernment. This is why the Bible describes believers like that as being tossed about to and fro. They're tossed about with the waves, they're tossed about with the wind, they're tossed about with the weather, tossed about with all sorts of false doctrines and whatever's popular or enjoyable in the day. We're not called to be tossed about. We're called to hold our ground. We're called to know the Lord. We're called to be discerning. We are to be able to discern the times and should be able to. Jesus looked at the Pharisees and he said, you can look at the sky and tell me the weather or what the seas will be like. You can look at the moon, the stars, and tell me what the tides will be like. He says, but here, basically, I'm standing before you, and you have no idea the day and age of which you're living in. But the Son of Man has come today. That the word of God is being fulfilled today. No idea. Many believers are just like that today. They have a lot of church in them. They have little to no discernment. It takes discipline to get discernment. We need both, but it goes in order. And he says then in verse 3, to receive. Now this one covers a little bit of ground here. He says, first of all, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. We've got several things going on here, but the idea of the instruction of wisdom, it is to receive is the idea to accept the truth and faithful obedience the idea can be seen in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. And he goes on. He says, then shalt thou, uh, thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. We have to receive this. It's not something that we're just born with. You have to literally work at getting it. Work at receiving it to understand these things and believe and see. God has given us wisdom, but it's found in these pages. 
But you won't have that wisdom if you don't get inside these pages. And I'm not talking about, like we said earlier, of just reading blazingly fast, but rather of getting in and chewing and meditating on what is offered here. The one who truly receives these words will produce a life full of doing what is right, just, and fair. The idea of the words justice, judgment, and equity are very important here. Today, this would certainly be a popular verse with uh, many of those who are of the woke culture to say, ah, justice, judgment, equity. Oh, those are all great buzzwords right now in our day and age. Well, what do they actually mean? The idea of justice, and we have to understand that there is not different kinds of justice. There is one justice, and it is God's justice. It is that which is right. The word justice here means what is right or righteous. Uh, The same word in the New Testament is translated righteous or righteousness. Um, So, we look, it is to know and to receive, to accept that which is right. Well, what is right? What God has to say. What is wrong? What he says is wrong. It's very clear. It's very elementary. The second is judgment. We must know the way in which God judges, the way in which we should judge. It is said, judge not, lest you be judged. And the whole rest of the chapter is left totally out. We are called to judge. We are called to judge rightly, though. We're not called to judge using our own uh, desires, wishes, preferences, or prejudices, but we are called to judge using what is just, what is right. And the idea of, then of, of equity is that of, of fairness. It is not that everyone gets the same amount, but rather there is this fairness that takes place to receive, in, to receive the instruction of wisdom justice, judgment, and equity, that there is a fairness in the sense that you and I have the same book here given to us to read. I often hear people say this in the church. You know, I I wish I knew the Bible as much as so-and-so. And And I always go, I I know what you mean there. But on the other side of that, I go, you could. You've got the same Bible as they do. You have the access to the same resources as, as they do. What we do, though, is we allow ourselves to say, well, I'm too busy to study. I can't do it like they do. Or, or I don't read good, or, or I don't do this good. And that, some of those things might be true. However, we make excuses for not knowing God and not knowing the things of God because someone else knows it better than we do. Well, that person's just been more disciplined than what we have. We, too, could have the same knowledge that so-and-so might have or so-and-so might have. I think even as well as going, oh, man, I, I wish... I wish I could pray like so-and-so. And we, we have that, and, and we go, well, we could if we just simply prayed. The more you pray, the more natural it becomes. The, the, the easier it becomes. The more joyful it becomes. The more everything that you actually begin to actually do it. The best way to study your Bible and to get better at it is to study your Bible. The best way to become a prayer warrior is to pray. These are simple things. No one becomes a prayer warrior the moment that they're saved. What it takes is the discipline to go, I'm going to pray. I'm going to keep praying because that's what I'm supposed to do. No one becomes a a great theologian or disciple maker overnight. Sure would be nice, wouldn't it? But it takes time and consistency of going, Lord, help me. Show me through your word as I study your word. And then they study the word. No one ever becomes someone worthwhile or to look up to or ever truly makes just an impact by 
skating by without truly being wise. It's the ones who are wise that we want to be like. It's the ones who are wise that we wish, oh man, I wish I had a little bit of what they've got. Well, they've got a hold of God and that's just what we need is to get the same hold of God that they do and we just as well could because they've done it simply. Praying and studying and applying the scriptures to their heart, their mind, and their life. We find, as one commentator writes, knowledge and understanding that does not lead to righteousness is not wisdom at all. Wisdom will change us. To truly get this knowledge will change your life. It is life-changing what is in this book. And sometimes I believe that we miss out on that with the Bible. We go, well, we know it's God's Word. We say it's an infallible and errant and inspired and insufficient and all that stuff. But we sometimes miss out and think that it won't be life-changing. Every time we open up this book and read from it, anticipating God to speak to us from it, which He will because this is His Word, this is His revelation, it should be life-changing. Not because we just learned a fact about David or Solomon or Noah or learned a, a new Bible verse, but rather because we know the God who gave that verse, the God who gave that chapter or that book, the God who inspired and gave it to us, and therefore we know Him more. We, we grow in wisdom, and we grow in these things, and the more we know God, the more our life is changed. It should be changed. And he says then, verse number four, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. There's much of these chapters as we go ahead in Proverbs, and as you read through it, that is written, if you will, to the young man, to the one who is the idea of not just even being young in age, but one who is not as learned or has not gained that wisdom, who is maybe even naive in their understanding of the world. And this is why all throughout Proverbs, he's going to use these pictorial examples and, and observations and liking, uh, likenesses and metaphors and things to bring it back down to simplify it all for, for these people to see, hey, look around you. There's a lesson in everything. And there truly is a lesson in everything if we really look hard enough. But the phrase subtlety to the simple is, idea of prudence it's idea of being able to show and care or have concern for the future things the young man as he's talking about normally doesn't care about the future things does he you think about back to your teen years or your younger years maybe even before you knew the lord maybe you didn't care near as much about the future you weren't planning retirement were you you weren't thinking i'm 16 now i should probably be looking at life insurance policies probably a good time now as any you weren't doing that you were thinking, how can I get quick cash fast, right? How can I get a car? How can I impress that boy or that girl in my, in my school, right? That was it. Everything else, eh, out the window. You weren't thinking past the next day, let alone the next minute. You were living just fast and going, thinking, oh, that's how life is. It's great. And then what happens, you get out of high school, you start going, and, and you realize life is much more than today. Then that's when you start looking at health insurance or life insurance and all these things going, wow, I really got to start planning for the, the future, huh? And that's the idea is that these Proverbs and this wise living will not just get us through today, but it prepares us to live for whatever may come down the road. And does anybody know it's going to come down the road? Not a single soul. The only thing we know is going to come down the road is taxes and death. That's it. Everything else, it's truly a mystery day to day. That should bring about some excitement to our lives, but it should also drive us to the Scriptures to go, Lord, help me to have wisdom so that way whatever I face tomorrow, I'm prepared and ready. 
that is something that we should be doing. We should be anticipating. God, prepare me not just for next week. Prepare me for the following and the following. Prepare me for months from now. One thing I've been praying for as we're about to begin this prayer initiative is praying specifically for God to lay these things out for my life over the next months in advance. And for the people as well, for you guys. That God would prepare us for everything that's to come that we don't even know what that's going to look like yet until we get there. That's the, that's the exciting part of it all. But we should be praying and wisely seeking God and His counsel for these things as we're pressing forward. Knowledge then and discretion to the young is knowing and obtaining these words of wisdom helps the young, the gullible, the naive to prepare for their future life. Spiritually speaking, when you're born again, you're born again a baby again, aren't you? New believers are just like babies. They are needing to be swaddled, to be done. Every, they're, they're infants. I mean, they, they, they make messes. <laughs> they got to be cleaned up. They got to be helped along. They got to be fed. And they can't handle a steak yet. They need some, some milk or some formula to get them through. And little by little, they start growing, and you start giving more food and real food, and next they're eating Cheerios, and they're starting to toddle around a little bit, still making messes and toppling everything over, but they're starting to learn. They're starting to have these little personalities, and then what happens? You continue to grow through this growth cycle spiritually, and we're not meant to stay babes in Christ. We're meant to grow up to be those who can then nourish those new babes in Christ, except most of us can't do that. You can't hold a bottle for another babe in Christ if you yourself are a babe in Christ. We have far too many of those on, on pews. And by the way, it's not just the deacons or the pastor's job to, to do that. It's all of our jobs to grow in the Lord so that we can help others to grow in the Lord. That's the goal. He says, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. Someone who is a dumb man, you would say then, will hear these words and not accept these words, not believe these words. They will decrease in learning. To be wise means that we're going to hear what these, this book has to say. We're going to hear what God has to say. And the idea of hear is not of we just hear with our ears, but we hear with our heart faithfully. It is the same thing as when the prophets or when Jesus would say, he who has ears, let him hear. Or that the prophecy found in Isaiah that God tells him, he says, they're going to have ears but they'll hear not. They'll have eyes, but they'll see not. Many of us approach the Bible and we have ears, we have eyes, but we never really see anything. We never really hear anything. And it's not because this has changed or this doesn't have what we need or it's not relevant, but rather because our ears are stopped up or our eyes are closed. We must have our eyes open and our ears open, accepting and believing and diving into the Word of God. A wise man will hear and put to use the wisdom found in these pages and will increase in his own understanding. This means as well that all of us have to have a teachable spirit. Now, this is a tough one. I found that those who are newly saved have much more teachable spirits than those who have known the Lord for decades. The reason why is the same reason for anything else. You get sort of set in your ways, a little older, it's tougher to, right, that you, you hear the phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, which I don't know if that's actually true or not. I'll tell you in a few years, I don't know. <laughs> I still got a young dog, and he, he's got a few tricks up his sleeve, that's about it. 
we think about this, though, we must be teachable. If we're going to learn anything from Proverbs or Psalms or from any other portion of this book, it's going to be because we are humble enough when we approach it to say, God, I don't know everything. God, I don't even expect to know everything. But God, when I open up your word, I'm coming expecting to learn and grow in something. We often just open up the scripture and we don't expect anything. Or we come to church and we don't expect anything. We don't come anticipating to learn. Therefore, we don't. It's much like a, 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 a child in school who comes to school all day and he goes, I'm not going to learn nothing here. Right? This teacher can't teach me nothing. Comes home, the parent goes, what would you learn today? I don't know. Or, or, or they ask the first question, did you learn anything today? Yeah, yeah. What would you learn? I don't know. Did you really learn then? You see, when, if we were to ask that question, come 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday and say, so did you go to church today? Yeah. <laughs> did, you, you know, did you learn anything? Did you get anything? Was your heart stirred, changed, challenged, anything? Edified? I, I don't know. We had church. Or how about if we were to open up our Bible every day and same thing. Did you read your Bible today? Yeah, yeah, all four chapters, four chapters in 2 Kings. Yeah, it was good. What'd you learn? Uh, see, we need to chew and to really get a hold of this. And guess what? I can't do that for you. Neither can your husband, your wife, your deacon, your, your missionaries, <laughs> your, no one else. It's either you or you stay dumb. We don't need that. What we need is to grow and to be wise followers of the Lord. He says, we'll increase in learning. He says, then we have a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. The more we know, the more we'll want to know. The more we grow, the more we'll want to grow. It brings this natural desire that I want to know more about the Lord. Knowing, understanding, and observing the truth wisely will allow us to solve many of the great mysteries of life. Here in verse number 6, he says, To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings, it's the idea that there is much mystery to these things, and there's much mystery to the Scripture, but yet it's to continue to seek God that He will reveal these things through His Word, through the teaching of His Holy, through the, His Holy Spirit. Now, the great purpose behind the book of Proverbs is to know God in a fuller way. And I'd say the same thing about Genesis to Revelation, that the, the key to it all is to know God. Our life, as can be seen here in these six verses and throughout all the rest of Scripture, comes down to three things. One, to know God. To not know about God, but to know God. To know who He is. To know what he's done. To know what he does and, and what he's done for us on our behalf. And second then, to obey God. Can you imagine this? Adam was a very knowledgeable individual. Adam in the garden was perhaps the smartest man alive at the time. Hold for, crack that joke. There. He was the only man alive, all right? So he's the smartest, okay? There you go. For the rest of you guys, you'll get it next, next week, okay? Adam being the only man alive was the smartest man alive. Insert laughter there. Thank you. All right, let's move on. Okay. So Adam, the smartest man alive, had all the knowledge that he could possibly have. But he had no wisdom, did he? He knew the one rule that God had given. But what did he do? He disobeyed, which is not wise living. 
Wise living is to not just know what God says, but to do what God says because of who God is. Adam failed in that, we failed in that, but we should certainly strive to go, boy, how much different the world could be, let alone our own personal lives could be, if we didn't just hear what God says, but we did what God says because of who He is. Lastly, our life is about and solely about the glory of God. You will bring God glory the more you know Him and the more you obey Him. If you don't know God and you don't obey God, there will be no glorifying God. And so if we are going to glorify God in our hearts, in our homes, in our churches, in our community, what it's going to take is us choosing to discipline our hearts and our minds and our bodies to know God more so that we would obey God more because of who He is so that in our life He would give us wisdom that we would give Him glory. May we not miss this as we study the Scripture. Whether it is Psalms or Proverbs or whether it is Genesis or Revelation or anything else in between, know the goal. And the goal is God in all things, through all things, and for all things. And to Him be all glory, riches, and dominion, and power, and honor forever and forever and forever and forever. So tonight, may we choose in our hearts to go home after we sign up on the 52-day prayer initiative. And maybe we can bring our hearts to the place where we go, we wake up and say, God, help me be disciplined today. Not help me to be disciplined today, right? We're trying to avoid the disciplining hand of God, but we want to be disciplined so that we would know Him and obey Him to glorify Him. So that we would be able to say that we are living wisely. Because there's another generation behind us and behind them waiting. There's a desperate need, not just of knowledge, but of wisdom. We must teach them. But in order to teach them, we must first be taught. In order to be taught, we must first be willing to learn. And we go home and ask God for help. And he will. As Solomon said, Lord, give me wisdom. Believe before we open up our Bible, before we even pray, before we even walk through his back doors, God, give me wisdom. God, give me what I need today in this moment, in this hour, for this need. Lord, you alone can do it. May we believe it. God certainly will, because that's who he is. It's what he does. Come expecting wisdom. Come expecting a heart change, and it will be there. And I believe that would change church. We would change our church. We would change your heart. We would change our relationships. We would change everything. May that be our heart's cry tonight. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the wisdom found in your word. God, help us not neglect it. Lord, we go so flippantly to your scripture and we, we read through it to say that we read it, but Lord, we often miss out on what you really have for us. Help us in our prayer life, Lord, as we go from this place to be prayerful for our church, for our community, for each other. Help us to be praying to you, God, that you would give us wisdom, that we'd be obedient to you, Lord, to know the difference, to be discerning, to be, to be wise in our life, to be thinking about not just today, but to be thinking about the eternal things. Help us to not be so earthly-minded, but to think about the heavenly things, God, that we would long and look forward to, to being with you one day, to know that one day we won't have to worry about 
disciplining our bodies or our minds anymore, but we will be in the presence of wisdom itself, our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for that promise. Help us as we go now from this place to be safe on our way home. Lord, throughout the week that you would use us, guide us and direct us and strengthen us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for coming tonight and I appreciate you all. And you guys have a great evening and we'll see you guys Tuesday night.